When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Spotlight Interview. I'm George Jakovic. I'm joined by Chris Algieri, Paulie Malinaji, the champions. What a Monday morning. We're talking boxing with no one other than the voice of boxing, longtime HBO announcer. He's done the Olympics. He's done everything else. He's in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. My old colleague from HBO, Jim Lampley. Jim, welcome to Pro Box. Thank you very much, George. Pleasure to be here with both Paulie and Chris and you. I imagine all three of you could still have a shot at making 147 or maybe at worst 154. I'm not sure I could make 154 today, but I feel like I'm in pretty decent shape for the conversation. Well, Jim, I just want to be really brief. Uh, I I worked at you for a number of years at HBO. Just want to say it was an honor doing that. Um, Your enthusiasm for calling fights is very much missed, and, and that enthusiasm is what made the fight so big. So it's a it's a pleasure to be talking to you today. Before we talk about you, let's recap the weekend a little bit. And obviously, uh, I'm sure you watched the fights. The big controversy with Usyk and Dubois, was it a low blow? What's your take on it, Jim? Well, uh, we're always told that right on the belt line is acceptable. And from the still photos I've seen, uh, it appeared that the punch landed directly on the belt line. And uh, obviously, most fighters go in with uh, the trunks a little bit high. Maybe they slide down a little bit during the course of the action. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's the nemesis of officials in every sport everywhere, the 50-50 call. From the still photos I looked at, it appeared to be a 50-50 call. So I can't argue with it. And Chris and Paulie, I, I I'm not sure what your opinions are of that that fight, but what 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 did you guys see? Yeah, I, I have to agree with Jim. I'm I obviously not going to be able to put it as eloquent as he always does, but uh, it was it was right on the belt line. Uh, any ref could have said yes, that was a legal blow. Any ref could have said no, that wasn't a legal blow. But what I saw as a fighter, what I, the way he went down was not that of a low blow. Uh, usually, when a guy gets hit with a low blow, he immediately goes to the groin cub, goes down. Usually, right 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 down. I mean, he spun breath out, didn't even touch his cup until the referee had had mentioned it was a low blow. So uh, and he said, yeah, I would I would have gotten up if it was count, if the ref did start counting, which we'll never know the answer to that. It's very, very plausible to think that. But um, but yeah, in, in, in my eyes, it, it 
it could have gone either way, but certainly his reaction was not that of a low blow initially. And I think Chris is more eloquent than me uh, because of pointing out exactly that key factor that I did not mention. We didn't see that immediate reflex to grab the cup. That I mean, when you get hit low, I dare you to try to stand there and hold your hands out without grabbing the cup. It hurts. So I agree with Chris. Yeah, and, I'm, and piggybacking off what you guys said, uh, guys, um, I'm going to say that during my career, I can remember the referee a lot of times mentioning what a low blow would be uh, before the fight in the yes. dressing room and the fight. And it would be if the cup is above your navel, then the belt line is low. If the cup is uh, below your navel, the belt line is fine. So and that, of course, that's why these calls become 50-50, because the belt line sometimes shifts over the course of the fight and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure 100 percent where where uh, uh, the cup was where at the moment uh, of that he was hit on the belt line. But again, it's a 50-50 call that you guys are saying. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of on board with that. And the thing about 50-50 calls a lot of times, especially in boxing, is that the A side guy, the favorite guy usually gets the benefit of those, you know, and I'm not saying it's right. But it seems like that's what happened here in this particular situation. And on a 50-50 shot, the A-side being Usyk was given the benefit of the doubt. But, Chris, you made a good point of him. Uh, and then Jimmy piggybacked off it with the, with the way he went down. I hadn't thought of that as well. You know, you usually, you know, that's actually, a, he actually went down with the reacting, what usually looks like a reaction from a body shot. But um, I also made a, a, another point on my YouTube channel that people aren't mentioning enough for my take is the fact that the ring was so wet. I mean, the, the ring was not protected and it was so wet. That affects your footing. And when your footing is affected, you're pushing off your plant foot. So a lot of times, if you look at that moment where Usyk is taking that punch, he's looking to shift over to his right. He's throwing that right hand and, and, and he's right jab, and he's kind of shifting over to the right. But in order to do that, you've got to push off your back, your left foot, that back foot. So it is also possible that if, if the ring is not wet, Usyk gets a better push off from his left foot, and that shot may not land as effectively. Again, we're we're talking in a in a you know what what ifs here, but uh, in in reality, I think the the biggest problem I have with the fight is the fact that they don't have a protected ring from the rain, or at least not protected enough. You have a monster event going on there. You have to protect that ring at all costs. I was at Vladimir Klitschko versus David Hay, which I think was in I was on HBO, right, guys? Uh, I was I was at that fight. Uh, Jim, would you call that fight Klitschko versus Hay in Germany? Hamburg, Hamburg, Germany. Yeah. Uh, yes, David yeah. Hay versus Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah, yeah, and as and I, ironically, I was on in Italy back then too, which I which I am right now, and I, I I flew over to Germany to watch that fight, and I can remember the ring being protected. Man, I mean, it, we were getting soaked. There were it was a, it was a monsoon of a rainstorm. It was like raining all night, if you remember, Jim. But I mean, the ring was rather protected. I mean, I, I don't remember the guys having as much issues with footing in that ring. So, like, you know, my my issue with the Usyk and and Dubois fight is how do you not make sure the ring is protected regardless of the elements? Fans can get wet, but the fighters in the ring have to be able to fight the proper fight. And footing in the ring is so important, especially the guys that are shifty like Alexander Usyk. Well, guys, Jim, we've got a lot going on here at Pro Box. We're going to play a little promo. We've got shows like this every Wednesday night. We've got Wednesday night fights. The next one is on September 6th. Here's a look at what's coming. Wednesday night fights. Hey guys, make sure you tune in Wednesday night fights here on Pro Box TV. We got great action fights, 50-50 matchups, and all-out wars throughout. We have consistently put on the best fights around. Good fighters, great fights on your boxing channel with a star-studded cast bringing you the fight. Myself, Chris Algieri, the former world champion, and of course, Mike Goldberg. So make sure you tune in Wednesday night fights for all the action. As Goldie likes to say, here we go.
this Wednesday, September 6th, live from the Pro Box Event Center in Plant City, Florida, it is Wednesday Night Fights, featuring Hot Rod Radovoy Kalajic versus Mickey Ellison. Get your tickets at ProBoxTV.com or take your chances at the door. Wednesday Night Fights. So there you have it, your ne our next edition of Wednesday Night Fights. And Jim, I got to say, seeing that, I have to ask the question before we get into more of what's been going on with you. You were supposed to call some fights for Triller a few years ago. It didn't materialize. I'm speaking on behalf of all boxing fans. When, if and when are we going to hear Jim Lampley calling a fight again? Well, um, the last HBO fight was December 8, 2018. So that tells you that as of December 2023, coming up in three or four months, it will have been five years since I have actually done blow-by-blow blow commentary on uh, a boxing match. Um, at the moment that uh, boxing ended at HBO in December of uh, 18, no, it was not my expectation that I was going to be finished calling fights. I, you know, uh, very firmly expected at that particular moment that some opportunity or platform was going to come along, uh, which wanted my voice on their coverage of the fights. That didn't happen. Uh, other people are calling fights. They're doing a fine job. I can't criticize anybody. I wish them all uh, the very best in their continued pursuit of their career ambitions. Um, no one has reached out to ask me to do blow-by-blow -blow commentary. So now I have an opportunity, unprecedented, something that hasn't happened before, to go to uh, Canelo Charlo on the 30th of September and do ringside chat with uh, our friend Lance Pugmire uh, and communicate with um, the, fight, the fight audience in a different way than has been the case before, but still be a part of the editorial flow of the fight and do a fair number of interviews and um, personal appearances that week that will help to boost this ancillary uh, feedback system that ppb.com represents and uh, that's my new perch. That's that's what I'm doing. But I honestly uh, cannot see any pathway by which I would wind up doing blow by blow again. At this point, it's been too long for me to expect that. Jim, yeah, George had mentioned uh, the, the trailer. I actually fought on one of those cards, and I had heard that your name was in the mix for possibly Paul. And I was like, man, I was I was so excited. I, I, it would have been great if that had uh, that had come true. Because uh, you've called my fights for HBO, and it's it's it was always amazing to hear your voice. Someone I watched as a kid growing up, being able to watch my fights back now, uh, it's definitely a special moment. So the PPV thing, I, I actually did that last time with uh, Spence and, for the Crawford fight, working with PPV and uh, that that chat with Lance Pugmire. I'm going to be out there that week, so it, it it's a fun it, it's a fun it's a fun little thing to do. I think you're you're gonna uh, enjoy it and to get to interact with the fans once again and in a big fight uh, big fight environment. That's the whole point of it. Thank you, Chris. Much appreciated. Uh, I did make a deal with Triller. I was going to call the rematch of Lomba, uh, Lopez Cambosos. Uh, I believe it was Lopez who caught COVID. Uh, that particular date went down. Later, they wanted me to go to Miami to do Evander Holyfield versus an MMA guy. Uh, I know practically nothing about MMA other than that it's not boxing. 
And, uh, and I said, no, I don't think I can responsibly present myself to the audience as somebody who does play-by-play -play on anything to do or blow-by-blow -blow on anything to do with MMA, whether it's a hybrid fight uh, or whether it's an MMA event. I'm a boxing commentator. And uh, so uh, at that moment, all, you know, all inquiries with regard to Jim Lampley doing the blow-by-blow ceased and none of the other streaming uh, services or uh, broadcast entities who are covering boxing saw fit to come around and ask, which is fine. Uh, again, other people are doing boxing commentary. I applaud them. I root for them. I hope they all do uh, tremendously well. I had my time. Uh, and now I'll go do ppv.com. And I'm very happy to hear you say, Chris, that it's fun. And we both know that Lance Pugmire is a great guy. So uh, I'm looking forward to that week in Vegas. Will this be something consistent that you do with PPV, or, or is this just a, was a one-time thing like like Chris ended up doing? We're dating. Uh, <laughs> we, we'll find out. We'll find out whether dating leads to a longer-term relationship. But I haven't done it yet, you know. And I don't. I don't even know yet whether I'm going to be any good at it. So uh, let's do one trial this time. PPV agreed with me on that basis, uh, and see whether it's good for both sides. You know, I got to say, Jim, it blows my mind that no one has offered you the voice of boxing, uh, a, a job as a blow by blow person. It really blows my mind. Um, we were talking a little bit off camera and I know you've kept, kept busy since HBO. You're actually teaching now at your old alma mater in North Carolina, right? I'm at the University of North Carolina. I am a professor of the practice, as they call it, in the Department of Communication. Professor of the practice means he's on the faculty, but he doesn't have a PhD. Uh, and I teach uh, a course of my own design and construction called Evolution of Storytelling in American Electronic News Media. Most people expect me to be teaching something to do with sports, but that isn't the case. I do have season tickets to the football and basketball games. So I'm enjoying that element of the, uh, the life of a university campus. And if ever another big fight takes place in North Carolina, which I think has happened never, uh, then I'll certainly be around to see it. How was it in California? How, 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 did, how did that feel? Is the, how's Carolina different from California? Or how, how did you well, like I'm, originally, I'm originally from North Carolina. Okay, so it was a, it was a homecoming. I uh, went to school here for uh, five years, way back in the early 70s. And one of the things you learn about the University of North Carolina is that we are a cult, uh, a very <laughs> definable cult. And uh, a lot of our All-America basketball players, famous football players, et cetera, et cetera, uh, like Tyler Hansborough, like Phil Ford, like James Worthy, they come back. Everybody comes back at, at some time or another. So I came here expecting to teach for one semester um, and I arrived and I taught for that one semester and I discovered that uh, one of my best friends socially on campus is the chancellor of the university. We share a birthday. Uh, his wife is our real estate agent. I could go on and on and on, but the bottom line is I have so many immediate and natural connections in Chapel Hill that eventually when the department asked me, you know, will you extend this teaching project? Will you teach it next semester too? Da, da, da. Uh, the answer became yes. Uh, I bought a giant renovated farmhouse and uh, 
I go back to California on visits sometimes. One thing I always tell people, Paulie, North Carolina is the California of the East Coast because <laughs> North Carolina is the only state on the East Coast which has, just as California does, everything from white sand beaches to high mountains uh, and everything in between. So the geographic variety of North Carolina is the only thing on the East Coast that's analogous to the geographic variety of California. But we don't have earthquakes and we don't have forest fires. But yeah. you get hurricanes. But you get hurricanes. Yeah, that's right. We've got hurricanes. We got, Absolutely. You know, we got we got a couple on the way right now. We're we're, we're in season now. We got one ripping up the uh, the uh, west coast of, of Florida coming up in a couple of days. But so needless to say, Jim, you you're happy with the movie. This 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 uh, this new this new life of yours in in South Carolina is going well. North Carolina. North that Carolina. Was a sacrilege, Chris. Okay, <laughs> that was absolutely sacrilege. I do not live below the border of decency. <laughs> I live in North Carolina. So yes, it's uh, it's been a good thing. Uh, my wife, uh, who grew up in Massapequa on Long Island, oh, uh, right next to me, not terribly far from you, and no. then lived in San Diego for forty years. I, I thought it would be. You know, I thought there's no way she's going to choose and decide to live in North Carolina. She's very happy here. Two of her daughters moved here from California. We, of our 11 grandchildren now, seven of them are right here in uh, Orange County, North Carolina. So it's been an exodus of sorts. And yeah, it's working out very well. We're talking to Jim Lampley, Spotlight Interview. Like, subscribe to ProBox. This is the kind of content you take. We're talking to an icon. Pro Box TV is your boxing channel. There's nothing else like this in boxing. We are a 24-7 boxing streaming network dedicated only to the sweet science. We provide boxing fans daily news, delivered in print and in a never-before-seen video format from our state-of-the-art studios in Florida. Along with daily talk shows every weekday, we also produce our own fights with our Wednesday Night Fight Series, where we invite the best fighters who didn't make the cut for Showtime, ESPN, or DAZN and want to prove they belong in the big ring. But there's a catch. They have to fight each other. No easy wins. That's right, 50-50 matchups, as we like to say, Good fighters in great fights. Three events per month, 40 per year. Now we aren't a promoter. We don't promote boxers. We don't compete with the championship networks. We cover and promote them all. We believe boxing should act as one and avoid being fragmented. We represent the fans and what they want. We promote boxing. We are your boxing channel. We are ProBox TV. So there you go. That's ProBox TV. And we've got our next edition of Wednesday Night Fights, September 6th. Good fighters and great fights. Jim, we always have highly competitive fights on Wednesday nights. ProBox TV is making Wednesday night your boxing night. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Jim, um, before we have a couple of other questions, but... Um, ProBox TV is a 24-hour, it's all boxing. It's literally all boxing. It's live fights. It's talk shows like this. It's video news. How important to boxing 
is a platform like this? Because the landscape has changed since you and I were at HBO. Well, it's indispensable to boxing that a channel like this exists. And by the way, the promo was a brilliant explication of what it is you do and how you do it. And I love the fact that the promo did not go without mentioning the uh, zone and uh, Showtime and ESPN, but rather went ahead and specified not only are we not those channels, we don't criticize them, we don't compete with them directly, we support and talk about what they do. That's, that's brilliant. That's the, the smartest way for you to go about positioning uh, what this channel is. And the whole history of boxing television transmission in this country is a long evolution from the broad general to the small specific, okay? Uh, when I was six years old, and I had never, ever watched a sports event on television, and my father had died the year before, my mother took me to a party in North Carolina, a party for adults. She walked me down the hall to a room where I would be alone with a tiny television set on a TV dinner tray and said, sit right here. You're going to be watching a boxing match. It's Sugary Robinson versus Bobo Olsen. It's their second fight. It's for the middleweight championship of the world. Uh, if your father was still alive, this is what he would be doing right now. So you're going to do it in his place. And oh, by the way, over the course of the next hour, hour and a half, a man named Don Dunkey is going to teach you everything you need to know about boxing. So the first blow-by-blow -blow voice that was ever imprinted on my brain was that of Don Dunphy, uh, who I would still say to this day is, in my view, the greatest blow-by-blow -blow commentator ever with the greatest legacy. Uh, and, uh, and the very first sports event I ever watched on television was a boxing match between Sugar Ray Robinson and Bobo Olson. In those days, Friday night fights on Gillette was a basic staple of sports dance. You watch that the same way you watched the college football game on Saturday afternoon, the professional football game on Sunday afternoon. It was easy to find what you were looking for, and they were all on the same general tier. Now you have an entirely different world, and the economics of boxing are such, Chris and Paulie know this very well, how, how do boxing promoters and fighters, et cetera, squeeze the orange to get the most juice out? They make the audience smaller, and they make the audience pay for the product. So the smaller the audience, the more they're paying for the right to hook up and see the fight. Those are the big events in boxing now. It's not what it used to be. And, uh, and that's a natural product of technological evolution, something I talk about in my class all the time. Uh, the dramatic proliferation of the number of sports events that are available on TV. The fact that you can now watch sports 24 hour a day, hours a day if you want to, et cetera. All those things filter into why we are where we are and why the sport desperately needs the kind of nourishment and day-to-day -day continuity that a channel like yours provides. Jim, I think I speak for everyone listening to you recap some of your your early boxing thoughts. Man, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. As always, you're, you're a brilliant storyteller, the best who's ever done it in this sport. And um, yeah, I think I, I think we have a lot of similar similar uh, uh, origins in the sport. I, I vividly remember the first first sporting event I ever watched was with my grandfather sitting on his lap watching boxing. And he was so complimentary of every fighter who stepped out there. And I'll never forget that. He always talked about champions being being gentlemen outside the ring, but in, in the ring, they're animals and they're warriors and they're, they're, they're going for it. 
So uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing how you, how boxing is one of those things. It's just so pervasive, and you it gets into you so early and never goes away. And you know, we obviously we were in different eras. I got all of my boxing initially from the library. I would take out every book there was on boxing as a, as a young child, and I had my my library card, and I'd go and I get whatever I could. And uh, then the the internet in the early 2000s became a place where there was a, a, loads of information. And I was my homepage was a boxing news page. If there was something like Pro Box TV when I was a kid, I don't I wouldn't go anywhere else. I would be on it all day long looking at everything, reading. I read every article when I was a kid. Now we have all that in one place. And it's something that's been missing because it's been this was 20 years ago where I was checking into that homepage every day. Not much has changed. It's still the same. And I think something like this is something that's been very needed and will revolutionize the uh, the distribution of news and boxing information that fans really need. Because like you said, the, the, the landscape has, has changed. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And based on the promo that I just saw, I have not seen a better pedestal or a better channel. And, you know, to a certain degree, that's what Lance Pugmire and I will be doing on ppb.com at uh, Canelo Charlo, is to provide an editorial frame that makes the fight itself um, fit properly into the overall scene of boxing and helps people to understand the general editorial view that enhances everything. And with regard to the grandfathers to grandsons and fathers to son things, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I can't tell you how many times in a hotel lobby or in an arena entry area or something like that, that I have described, Chris, something that you know well, that Paulie knows well to fans to help them understand, you know, when you watch a great, in these days, 12-round fight, you watch a great 12-round fight, watch two guys seemingly trying to kill each other with face-to-face -face combat that obviously hurts uh, and tests them in every way. Once you get to the final bell, as much as they may have said hurtful and hateful things in the buildup to the fight, what now exists is love. Uh, when you watched Arturo Gatti and Mickey Ward fight each other, you're watching two men fall in love with each other. When you watched Barrera and Morales over the course of three fights, their natural enmity for each other was ebbing away in the face of the absolutely fundamental mutual respect that can only come from that kind of sharing with each other. I always say to people, at the end of a great 12-round fight where both guys have given and taken a lot, there are only two people in the world who have any sense of who actually won the fight. Only the fighters know. Nobody else knows other than what the fighters have experienced and what has gone down between them. And again, 90% of the time, what exists between them is love. Riddick Bowe uh, and Evander Holyfield fought three vicious battles against each other. I was told recently that they're living together in Florida and Evander is helping Riddick with his daily chores and stuff like that. That's love. And, and only boxing creates that kind of face-to-face -face fraternity. Jim, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, when I had spoken to uh, Vander last, uh, he didn't mention that they were living together. Maybe that wasn't happening yet. It was in the last six to eight months. But he had mentioned something about, somebody had mentioned something bad about Riddick. And, and Evander was like, totally, they did away with them. Like He's like, Bo's my guy. He goes, you can't touch Bo, you know? Right. And, was, and I got that sense that uh, that camaraderie was really tight between them. It's almost like, 
you know, Evander came, you know, went through some hard times. Riddick went through some hard times, but Evander kind of had a little re-rise in terms of getting the uh, exhibition fight with Vitor Belfort and making some money and and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, people were hiring him a little bit. And it's almost like he took it upon himself that he wants to help Riddick. And he's, it's, I, I was very, very fascinated by that. But like you said, man, you kind of have that deep soul searching, you know, and it's it's one thing you only find in boxing. Yes, there's respect in other sports, but you only really find in boxing. Matter of fact, you know, I, I have my own issues with the MMA community, but it's funny because MMA fighters, a lot of times they're done fighting and they're still talking trash to each other. I, I, you see it more times than not. And, I, and, and, it, and when I first started seeing that, I was mind blown because I was like, man, it's like, you can have so much of disgust for an opponent. You actually, in my in my case, I remember the competitive nature of the sport makes you dis, dislike your opponent because you know it's you're such a competitor. But afterwards, you're done competing. It's like instantaneously just rubs off of you. You know, you're just like plus you got respect for your opponent. How many times? And I pointed this out to fans over and over. How many times do you see the great, vicious, highly competitive hurt you? I'll hurt me. Da 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 da. 12-round fight, and the instant the bell sounds, what do they do? They fall into each other's arms. They are expressing love at that moment because it's a form of respect that you can't get from any other interaction in life. It is blunt. It is not uh, in any way subtle. It's face-to-face. -face. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can and try to hurt you, and at the end of it, fall into your arms. And it's funny yeah, because that, yeah. you mentioned that with Morales and Barrera too. I remember the press conference where Barrera actually punched them out in the press conference with his bare fists. And then now they're doing a podcast together and whatnot. You know, right. They, yeah. They, they went years the saying they went years saying they would never speak to each other and they hated each other. And now they do a podcast together. That's yeah. that's boxing. I have a folder on my phone of literally just me hugging my opponents after so many fights. There's probably, I probably have eight or nine photos of me, just like you said, Jim, immediately after the fight, the fight ends, touch gloves and just hug or after the decision, whatever. Yeah, th th there's there's something special about one-on-one. -on -one. That's that's the major thing. That's why it's so different from the other sports, like you said, Paulie. But also boxing's different because it's it's there's so much class. It's it's such It's such a difficult thing to get good at. It takes a lifetime to be good at it. And, and that's why there is no perfect fighter. There's no perfect, perfect record. I mean, even records, whatever, but there's no perfect specimen of a, of a box because it's, it's just too complicated. It takes so long. And, and there is that understanding between the two contestants, the two oppositions, the two combatants that listen, what we do is, is very difficult. We are the 0.0001% of the world. And man, I respect the hell out of you because you, you're standing in front of me doing what I want to do to you. 100%. That's why I love it. Uh, you know, I, I was assigned to cover boxing at ABC Sports mm -hmm. in early 1987 by a newly arrived division president who wanted to get rid of me. And he thought the best way to make me walk away from my contract at ABC Sports was to assign me to boxing, where I would eventually be seen as Cosell's blow-by-blow -blow successor, and that was going to destroy my career. That's what he thought. Of course, what he didn't know was mm -hmm. the first sports event I had ever watched was uh, Sugar Ray <laughs> Robinson versus Bobo Olsen uh, in 1955. What he didn't know was that I had saved lawn mowing and car washing money for close to a year to buy a ticket to Cassius Clay and Sonny Liston, February 25, 64 in Miami Beach, mm. the first time I ever attended a live prize fight. So he had no idea what my background in the sport was. And he also wasn't paying attention to the fact that his network, ABC, had just signed a an exploratory 
look-see, let's-get-to-know-you contract with a 19-year-old heavyweight from upstate New York whose name was Mike Tyson. Mm. So my first several network television boxing experiences were calling the first several nationally televised fights uh, in the career of Mike Tyson. How could you miss? You couldn't possibly miss with that. Oh, man. It's like meant to be. I mean, Bobo, you, you saw your boxing watching with Sugar Ray Robinson. Your first live event is Cassius Clay, who would become Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time. And then you're calling fights on ABC where they think they're going to get rid of you, and instead they're actually <laughs> catapulting you, and they just signed Mike Tyson. I mean, I mean, you're talking about meant to be. That's wild uh -huh. how it comes together. Are you talking about... And Paulie, and Paulie, let me interrupt you momentarily, and I apologize for this, oh, but okay. to seize that, that meant-to-be theme, eventually, as a kid who went to his first live prize fight in Miami Beach, February 25, 1964, I wind up at ringside in Tokyo at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, Tokyo time. And I'm watching as with each passing round, it becomes more and more inevitable what is about to happen mm -hmm. in Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. And literally in the back of my mind, I'm conjuring, oh my gosh, the very first live prize fight I ever attended was unanimously called the biggest upset in the history of boxing. And now here I am describing for the entire American television audience the fight which will replace it as the biggest upset in the history of boxing. And Paulie, nothing like that can happen without you at least toying with the idea in your mind, I was meant to be here. This was what I was supposed to do. And I did. Oh, here, here. I mean, yeah, you know. The whole time you're talking. Oh, I mean, yeah, Jim, yeah, Jim, Jim, I literally just watched your call of Tyson um, and Frazier, the 30-second fight when you called that fight on ABC. And I have to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a plane um, and I was looking for something to watch. And I looked in the documentaries and there was a new Ali doc. It was it was uh, Cassius X becoming Muhammad Ali. And I saw you in the doc and it made me think about the HBO days. And you brought up the HBO days. Um, what kind of a legacy? And this is the final topic. What kind of legacy do you think HBO and yourself left on the sport of boxing? Unique. Uh, and and I, I don't want to disparage or discredit um, Showtime, which demonstrated the wisdom of bringing Paulie Malignaggi to television, uh, which had many, many great fights over the years. Um, but in essence, uh, the nature of that culture was such that uh, if you were to stop and talk to a boxing fan on the street, at some point they would say, I watch all the great fights on HBO. And I can remember sometimes when I said to them, well, no, you don't exactly watch all the great fights on HBO because here's who's on Showtime right now. And you, know, you can't leave them out of this discussion. But the discussion became about HBO uh, and, and HBO's impact on the sport. And I think some of that had to do with the public acceptance of Larry Merchant. Some of it had to do with uh, Ray Leonard. Some of it had to do with the fighters who were fighting on HBO at that time uh, and, uh, and, and their legacies in the sport. So, um, you know, I, I had a unique opportunity when I first started calling boxing matches to call uh, Mike Tyson's fights on ABC. And oh, by the way, I have a fun story about uh, that fight with Marvis Frazier, if you have time for it. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And, oh, okay. So 
let me just pause quickly to, lo to lob this one in. My original expert commentator on ABC was the executive who bought the fights, a guy named Alex Wallow. He had never been on television before. There was no reason to think that Alex was going to be a great television expert commentator who was not a broadcaster by nature. He was an executive, and his only major job at ABC Sports was to buy the fights because nobody else knew anything about the culture, knew how to do them. Alex was a rich kid from Greenwich who had gone up, taking the train into Manhattan to go to uh, Gleason's and uh, all the other top gyms, and he rubbed shoulders with all of the uh, the boxing guys, and he knew the sport. And um, we used to go to upstate New York from Manhattan to do the Tyson fights in Alex's green Jaguar sedan. Uh, and I remember uh, Marvis was maybe the third or fourth one. Uh, it was after uh, Tyson had already gone 10 rounds with James Quicktillis, you know, dispelling the myth that he was going to win every fight by instant knockout and, you know, creating the avenue toward, oh, gee, there might be some taller, longer fighters who are going to give him trouble. Um, but as we're going up to do the Frazier fight, Alex starts asking me in the car, because I'm the veteran broadcaster, Alex says, you know, do you think that I could get away with, what do you think if I said in the opening on camera that Mike is going to knock him out in the first round? And I said, well, Alex, if you firmly believe that Mike is going to knock him out in the first round, then you're the expert. You know, if you, if you want to get attention in Rudy Marksky's column in USA Today on Monday, that's one way to do it. Go ahead and pick it as a first round knockout. I know, oh, by the way, if you're wrong, if it's a third or fourth round knockout or a seventh round knockout, whatever it is, nobody's going to remember it. Nobody's going to say, well, Alex was a dummy. He picked uh, Tyson to knock him out in the first round. It's, it'll just pass by the wayside. So now we're closing in on Albany. We're maybe 45 minutes away from Albany, and he turns to me and says, what would you think if I said that Mike is going to knock him out in the first minute of the first round? I said, well, that's even more attention getting. Okay, now you're going to a different level. A first round knockout is one thing. You've got three minutes to work on that. First minute of the first round, yeah, that, that would probably get you even more attention. I don't know about credit, but uh, it's certainly an ear-catching kind of prediction. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say in the opening on camera that Mike will knock him out in the first minute of the first round. So now it becomes an obsession. It's the whole conversation at dinner that night. We get together for breakfast the following morning. All Alex can talk about is, you know, I'm really, I'm excited about this. I'm going to say that it'll knock him out in the first minute of the first round. And then eventually, five or 10 minutes before air, he kind of sheepishly backs away. I'm, I'm going to go back to the first round prediction. I think it's a lot safer. To, what if he comes out cautiously, da, 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 da. So you remember how many seconds it was? 30. That's exactly right. It was a 30-second knockout. And all the way back to New York in the Green Jaguar, Alex is vilifying himself, absolutely tearing himself to pieces. How could I have been so stupid as to say first round only when I knew that it was going to happen in the first minute of the first round? Alex, you said he'd knock him out in the first round, then he did knock him out in the first round. You don't have to worry about this. No, 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 no. I'm a dummy. I should have said what I really believe. That's the way television people are. Well, Jim, I got to thank you for your time. Paulie and Chris, I'm sure you guys have uh, some parting comments to make to, to Jim. Jim, I could have stayed here for an hour, dude. I mean, I, I was just getting I was just getting warmed up listening to you, dude. All right. Yeah. So tell tell George that we want to do this again in a month or two after I've gone to Las Vegas and experienced the Lance Pugmire 
ppb.com uh, thing and uh, and actually seen a live fight for the first time in a while. I'll be happy to come back on and do it. You guys are, um, you know, all three of you are what I regard as very close old friends. So excited to be with you. Thanks. Jim, thank you so much. I mean, your time is, it's invaluable. I was on the edge of my seat all, all every time that you were telling a story, as usual. I mean, it's, it's nothing, nothing has changed. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the kind words as well. Can't wait to, uh, to, to speak with you again. And we went all the way through without saying Ruslan Provodnikov, but there, I lobbed it in, right? <laughs> uh, Jim, you are, you are sorely missed. You, you are missed big time in the boxing world. Um, and your book, by the way, you say you want to come on. You're, you can come on anytime you want. And I promise you that I will be in touch with you. Um, it was a pleasure. That, that's all I can say. In fact, I'm thinking about moving to North Carolina. If the only way I can hear your voice is to enroll in your class, I might be moving down to North Carolina just to hear you talk. You are missed. Jim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on ProBox TV. Remember, please, everyone, like, subscribe, join ProBox TV is your boxing channel.